Welcome back to How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom, the podcast brought to you by these3rooms.com. This is episode number 10 of series three, and it's the final episode of the series. I swear every series goes by quicker than the last. I am Lindsay Blair. I'm the editor of Kitchens, Bedrooms and Bathrooms magazine and these3rooms.com and your podcast host. So hello. It's been lovely sharing even more kitchen and bathroom know-how with you. So thank you for tuning into this series. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. Do make sure to go back and have a listen to all of the previous episodes. There are lots there waiting for you of all the things kitchen and bathroom design from utility room design ideas, tips for choosing a bath or a shower, ways to make your kitchen bigger without extending and great advice on working out how much your new kitchen or bathroom will actually cost. Now it's become sort of a tradition to round off each series with an episode dedicated to answering your questions and back joining me again is Georgina from Team KBB magazine and we've got even more questions to answer but this time we've enlisted the help of kitchen and bathroom retailers up and down the country and have asked them to tell us which questions they get asked most from the homeowners they work with. It's been really interesting to hear from those designers and I think this episode should give you the answers to some of the questions you might have if you're embarking on a project of your own. So here to help me answer them, hello again Georgina. Hello, thank you for having me back again. It's a pleasure, always great to have you back. Like I say, it's become quite the tradition now, hasn't it? We are ending series three and we've ended each series so far with the two of us debating design ideas for kitchens and bathrooms, answering all the questions that we get sent in. Yes, I'm so pleased that I've hopefully helped our listeners and um, it's been great fun. So I'm looking forward to this round. It is more than just us having a natter because we do answer people's questions, as we say. Um, So there's lots of advice thrown in and some friendly disagreements, I would say. So without further ado, we have selected the 10 most common questions you, the listeners, ask kitchen and bathroom retailers as told to us by the retailers themselves. So let's get into it then. What is the first one, Georgina? Well, a nice, easy one to begin with for us. How much does a kitchen cost? Easy? Really? (laughs) Exactly. I feel like we do not have the answers to that one at all because it's so subjective. I mean, it's easy because there is no answer. I think I always like to say the, the question should actually be, how much do you want to spend on your kitchen? Because the options are endless. You could update and refresh your kitchen for under 10k. Well, there's some kitchen companies that I talk to sometimes and their minimum cost for a kitchen is 200 grand. So yeah, I mean, the the brands that we feature a lot, you know, we feature a lot of independent designers, don't we? And British made companies. And, you know, we're quoting anything from from £15,000, from £30,000, from £50,000. So it's just... I mean, I say this a lot, but it's literally how long is a piece of string? Yeah, there's no there's no answer. And it's also, it's not just one fits all either. You know, someone might spend more money on worktops than their cabinetry. Someone might spend more on their appliances than their finishing touches. So it's, you can't answer that question. What you probably can answer is, what should I spend my money on in kitchen design? For example, if you are a keen cook, spend more money on appliances. I believe we've given 
been given the advice before that appliances should maybe make up to around 10 to 20% of your overall budget. But of course, if you love to cook and you want a range of different things from your sous vide machine, or if you want boiling water tap, or if you want your big family-sized range cooker that's got five ovens and gas and everything else going on, then spend your money on that. So it's, um, again, it's relative, isn't it? Yeah, I think looking at your lifestyle is a is a key thing to do when you're trying to think about how much my kitchen is going to cost. Um, because like you say, you know, you might love to cook or you might actually not cook at all. And in that case, do you really need to spend lots of money on appliances? You could get away with probably um, some more entry level price products. And then think about what's really important to you in terms of the design. You know, do you want the space to be a, a family space with an island or seating area, you know, and all of that obviously will come at an extra cost. But if that's what's important to you, then it's worth investing. And I think then you'll enjoy the kitchen more as a result. Um, And it comes down to value for money, I think, as well, because depending on your plans for your property, if you are, you know, doing up your forever home and you're, you know, you haven't done the kitchen in 15 to 20 years, or, you know, you know, you're not going to do it for another 15 to 20 years again, um, then I think, you know, spend on what you really, really want and it'll last and it'll be perfect for you. I was recently speaking to a kitchen company who has just provided a bar area for the homeowners 200 different gin bottles wow that's a lot of gin that is a lot of gin but that is her lifestyle she I did ask is it for display or does she drink those gins and oh she she drinks them she'll sort of pick what she wants and and that is her lifestyle and that's what she enjoys so she's spent I would imagine a a bit of money on this bar area for her 200 bottles of gin design is limitless and budget is probably limitless as well and I think you have to have a conversation with whoever you're doing the renovation with and talk about budget talk about money talk about what's important and really get that those details down and I think importantly discuss money with your kitchen designer straight off because you might be afraid that they can't do what you want but actually they might find a way to do it for potentially less or they'll work with your budget I don't think you should be afraid of talking money and I think a lot of people are yeah but by all means we're not saying although it's sort of a we don't have the answer to how much a kitchen costs there is no definitive answer I do think you know you have to have an idea of what you are willing to spend and you know where that money's going to come from as well whether it's savings or you know remortgaging or whatever and um, but you're absolutely right that you have to be upfront about it you know it's a lot of money for a kitchen you know whether that is you know £5,000, £10,000 or, you know, 30 to 50, if not more, thousands of pounds. But having that conversation up front and your kitchen designer, you know, that's what they do day in, day out. And they might be able to offer you a solution where you can have what you want, but actually, you know, change the material, change some slight details and it will be within your budget. Yeah, exactly. I think it's worth mentioning as well that obviously... At the moment, everything, the cost of lots of things is rising. Um, And I think cost is probably going to be a question that um, people in who work in showrooms are faced with even more as we are all concerned about things costing more, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So 
I think that makes it more important to have that conversation up front, but also to have a contingency budget because the costs of things, materials and, you know, raw materials are fluctuating so frequently now. Um, So where we probably used to tell people to have a contingency budget of 10%, what I'm hearing more is actually 20% is more realistic these days yeah definitely and if you don't have that contingency budget if you can only stretch to a certain amount it's maybe not wise doing it now I think you should wait until you have that contingency because things are bound to go wrong or things might go out of stock or some surprises might crop up that you had no idea might happen so yes or if that's your budget maybe you have to decrease it a bit so that part of that budget is the contingency so yeah, it's yeah. really important. We often talk about wish lists, don't we? Have a wish list. So like if at the top of your wish list is a boiling water tap, for example, um, and you you know, you can quite easily do a bit of research online to see how much that would cost, then you know, keep that on your wish list, have that, because then that comes back to value for money and getting what you really want. And then at the bottom of the list, have things that you would be nice to have, but you're willing to go without, which might help them balance the books. Yeah, that's a lovely idea. Now, that was quite a big one to start with, wasn't it? That's why I said it's easy. (laughs) We went in deep with question number one, kitchen costs. But hopefully that does help give you some idea. And I think the main thing to think about is have the confidence to talk about money up front. Yeah, absolutely. It's very non-British, but just do it. (laughs) Right, that leads us into our next question then. Can I have it with a different handle? Apparently designers are asked that quite often. Oh, can I have it with a different handle? Now, I guess that applies to kitchens and bathrooms. Oh, my goodness. So you and me were at the uh, KBB Birmingham show, and I must have seen thousands of handles. And I still love them. Handle fatigue? (laughs) No way. I love a handle. (laughs) Give me all the handles. Okay, so what are the trends for handles? What have you spotted? So I've spotted a lot of knurled handles, which is sort of the... How you imagine... Like a crosshatch or something. Crosshatch, but, you know, like... Textured. They're on your weights, on your dumbbells. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm saying yes, like I, I use dumbbells a lot. <laughs> I do not. Um, so they're very industrial, look very good. They're normally in some kind of metallic finish. Um, you've got the cup handles, which work well with the sort of traditional kitchen, shaker-style kitchen doors. Um, again, any type of metallic, although there's a bit of a trend that we're spotting which is matte white mm. um also black black is black is not handles. going anywhere is no. it no um but equally things like the sort of knobs or the just lots of different there's just i mean i can't the trend is to have a different type of handle and really personalize your space i you can completely change the look of a kitchen through the handle Absolutely. And I think the choice now, you know, it's not just a cup handle in chrome or a pull handle, you know, in stainless steel or whatever. The vastness of the choice now is a whole spectrum of metallics, as you say, matte black, gloss black, matte white, you know. Tarnished nickel. It's like you say, you can really, really go for it and personalise your space. One thing I've noticed as well um, is more integrated handles. So rather than being like handleless with like a, a, a groove where you put your fingers to open the door, or the drawer, it's more of like the cutout within the, the actual front of the door. So it's, 
you know, and then the behind the cutout, you might have like a contrasting colour, different finish of wood, for example. And then, or even again, going back to metallics, like a an insert of metallic that then just offers that accent, but it's flush with the door itself rather than protruding out like a traditional handle type um, design, if that makes sense. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I've got an image in my head. Um, And another trend that I have spotted, um, and I think it's sort of bubbling under the surface at the minute, is to match the door to your handles. So yes, you can totally personalise your space, but say if you have a black door have a black handle so you know you've still got the handle for practical purposes but actually it's much more sort of hidden in a way oh it's offering offering layers yeah oh, I like it yeah so you yeah you could have lots of fun the texture there I think you can put a really matte handle on a painted finished door slightly different textured or again going back to the knurled you could have a lovely knurled handle against a door of, of the same shade and I mm. think that would be a lovely way to have a handle but not have a handle what I would say is you don't have to go for handles that your kitchen designer company offers because there are so many independent handle companies that just specialize in handles that you know so don't be disappointed if you've got a complete kitchen design and they show you a sort of range of 20 handles to pick from and you don't really like any of them you don't have to have the handles from the same place where you get your kitchen doors you know there's there's just there's so many options like I said at this the KBB Birmingham show I saw thousands upon thousands of kitchen handles so yes I would say if you don't like what you see you don't have to go for them um go 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 elsewhere yeah which actually brings us back we've spoken a little bit about the trends there but the actual question is can I have it with a different handle and the answer is totally yes you can don't be don't feel like you're limited by what is on offer in the showroom um and again have the confidence to say to your kitchen designer actually don't like any of those but what i have seen is this beautiful handle on this website or even things like etsy local crafts people yeah you might have seen something that you absolutely love it might even be the case that you spotted a handle and you want to base your kitchen look on that handle itself absolutely i've done um kitchen interviews where the homeowners have got leopard handles on their kitchen doors leopard print no leopard shaped okay interesting <laughs> I've also interviewed homeowners who have gone to vintage markets or antique shops where there's just handles you know chucked into a sort of basket somewhere that they've rescued and they've then put on their cabinets so again you could do something like that go find something vintage that and give it a second life the world is your oyster when yes. it comes to handles. Yes. So yes, you definitely can have your kitchen with whatever handle you choose. Okay, along a similar vein, um, in terms of the options for your kitchen, or again, your bathroom, the next question is, is that the tap that comes with the sink? Now, I'm quite surprised by this one, actually. But I guess it's a valid question, because if you're in a showroom and you're looking at a kitchen or bathroom display, you might think that that's the option that you can have because that's what's on display. But in actual fact, again, the world is your oyster, as we are finding out with all things kitchen and bathroom design. And you can definitely request different taps to go yeah. with different sinks. Or if you like the tap, different sink. Yeah. I mean, it. I mean, the, the main point we should probably point out here is you have to make sure first and foremost, that your tap works with your sink or your sink works with your chosen tap. 
So, you know, one doesn't necessarily come before the other. If you like a boiling water tap, for example, that you love and a finish that you love because they come in so many different finishes, then just make sure that your sink works with that. So I guess you could start with your sink or you could start with your tap, whichever way. Um, I would say a trend that we've seen is matching finishes from your tap and your sink. So let's say you wanted a copper tap. Why not go for a copper sink as well? Mm, that sounds nice. So the traditional sort of setup is maybe a ceramic sink with a chrome tap. You probably see that in showrooms. Although these days, again, matte black, big trend, and you could you know match that with any sink, really. But I think practically speaking, when you're thinking about sink and tap, as you say, you need to make sure they work together. Um, so if you've got a, a sink or your basin for your bathroom, it's really important to... Think about the projection of the tap that you want to pair it with, because what you don't want is a tap that is projecting out too short so that you've got, say if you've got a really deep sink, you don't want the tap to not sort of reach the middle of the sink because that's just going to be practically a bit awkward to use. And in a bathroom, for example, if the tap is a bit short, it's just going to just makes washing your hands or like washing your face or anything a little bit awkward because you're feeling like you've got such little space to work with because the tap is just basically near the back of the sink or the basin. Yeah, you don't want water splashing all over the floor, do you? Yeah. So if the tap's too long for the sink or the basin, then yeah, you've got the opposite problem. So making sure that the, the dimensions of both the sink, basin or tap work together, I think is key. Definitely. And in a kitchen as well, if you love those big butler sinks, double butler sinks, I would say for the tap, make sure that it's got one of those sort of pull out hoses so you can actually clean it. Because if it's massive and you can't get the food that's sort of congealed in the corners, it's not ideal, is it? You're going to have to do that with your hands, which is a bit gross, isn't it? So definitely think about the hose as the, you know, as part of the tap. Little tip there. Yeah, so I think the answer to that question is, is that the tap that comes with the sink? Well, it might be if you want it, but if you don't want it, then no, it isn't. But a few practical tips on, you know, making it work. And likewise, um, you might think that you want a wall-mounted tap rather than a deck-mounted tap that's on the surface. So, you know, there are different styles of taps that you can choose. But again, just make sure that that works with your chosen sink um, to make sure that it's going to be practical at the end of the day and just like handles if you don't like any of the taps or any of the sinks that are in the showroom or that they supply go out and find them and see if they can get them in for you or you just buy them independently from your kitchen okay great so next question then we've had few retailers actually um, tell us that this is one of the questions that they get asked the most and it's all around installation so similar vein is do you install do you use your own fitters are the installers employed by you or subcontracted so I think do you install is the catch-all question here and it's a great question to ask I think being as informed as possible is absolutely essential when you're doing your kitchen design or your bathroom design for that matter and Asking whoever you're working with whether they have an installation service is key. Um, but that doesn't mean to say you have to use their installation service. Most retailers will have an installation service that they can offer you. Um, and that's sometimes you know, part of the, the package and the payment. Um, but if you you know, you know someone that you want to work with or you want to source your own installers, then that's absolutely an option as well. 
Yeah, and I think this almost goes back to the budget question, isn't it? I think a lot of people forget that installation is an extra cost and they might think, oh, maybe I'll just not bother with that. Maybe I'll try and do it myself just to try and save money. And I think that's such a bad idea. We're always recommending in the magazine and online it needs to be done by the professionals. And I know it's an extra cost, but it's so important that this kitchen or bathroom that you've just spent lots of money on is installed properly. Because if it doesn't work, then what was the point in spending all of that money in the first place? It's a very valid question if they have their own installers or if they bring people in. I think it's you know always wise that you go for someone that knows the product and can do it quickly and they are very experienced in whatever kitchen that they're putting in but yes you could a lot of places also let the builder your builders do it as well which isn't a problem as well I just as long as someone you get someone who is experienced in fitting kitchens I think that's the key yeah and often showrooms will have you know like their little black book of professionals that they work with you know across the different trades you know installation plumbing electrics you know various different services and they will have used them many many times before and they're recommending them for a reason and you know that's that's a good sign if you um are confident to you know buy your kitchen or bathroom through this retailer then you should be equally as confident to use the the installers that they would recommend because you know it's their business at the end of the day but if you are looking to organize the installation yourself whether that's through someone that you've worked with before or a separate installation company because you'd prefer to source that yourself just be aware that that does put extra work onto you um, and you will have to act as effectively the project manager and make sure that you're getting the quotes putting it out to tender and really seeking out reviews for the the people that you might want to work with to make sure they're going to do a good job it could potentially take well it will take you a bit more time um so if you want more convenience it probably is better to go with the installation service that's provided through or recommended by the retailer it might also affect any guarantees or warranties that you have because that could be included if you if you pick their own in-house installers yes it might cost more but if something goes wrong in the fitting they might cover that but if you say outsource it to someone and something goes wrong well they have nothing to do with that that's not their problem and that might cost you more in the long run so it's about thinking about the end game and and the final result really as a, as opposed to what's going to cost less or more yeah and touching on the question that's going to come up next is because at the moment there's such high demand for kitchen and bathroom design and installation that are lots of long lead times around. And if you are organising a separate installation service to your sort of supply of your kitchen or bathroom, you are going to have to potentially juggle the the lead times. So if you've got an installer lined up for a certain date and then unfortunately your product, your kitchen or bathroom, is delayed by two weeks, you're going to have to then manage that timeline, uh, which could throw up some problems if your, your installer has them got something else booked in whereas if you do it all through your retailer um you know they can help manage that for you I actually this happened to me um we went for my kitchen's in-house installers and accidentally he put my breakfast bar up the wrong way round the wood was sort of the unpolished side and I remember when it was installed I thought oh this looks doesn't look like it looked when we went into the showroom and I don't know who suggested it but 
we sort of went upside down and looked and we thought, oh my goodness, it's the nice, shiny, smooth, sort of treated section is underneath. So they came back and they sorted it out for us, no cost. So if that was done by someone else, would they have done that? No, I doubt it. So the next question is a nice lead on, actually. So how long will it take? So what is your lead time? And again, I'm really pleased that these are the questions that retailers are getting asked the most because I feel like these are the types of questions that we on the magazine and for these three rooms.com, we always encourage people who are doing a project to ask. So it's really uh, heartening, shall we say, to know that people are going into showrooms and asking things like, do you use your own fitters and what is your lead time? Because it's just so important to be well informed in this process. Um, so lead times is another how long is a piece of string topic because, as I said before, demand for kitchen and bathrooms has you know, skyrocketed basically since March 2020. And the pandemic really accelerated a demand for us doing home improvement projects, you know, creating spaces at home that were multifunctional and perfectly suited to how we live now because things have changed so significantly. So lead times have been affected by that. I've been talking to a few architects recently and I think their top advice at the moment is expect the unexpected. And I think just being prepared for the fact that it could take a really long time will just take the sting out of if someone says to you, oh, sorry, it's going to be another week. Oh, sorry, it's going to be another two weeks. Oh, sorry, it's going to be another three weeks. Just being aware that that most probably is going to happen now. It might not. You might be really lucky and all of your raw materials that your builder's using or your kitchen installer's using, they might be in stock and you, you know, might get your kitchen really quickly. But I think being prepared for that long time is definitely going to soften the blow for when it's maybe a couple of months. Yeah, and keep the communication going, I think, is really important because, you know, if, if your kitchen designer does tell you, oh, it's going to be, you know, 12 weeks or whatever, and then it's 15 or even longer, then having a good relationship and communicating with them rather than jumping straight into, oh, this is really annoying. Actually, just keep an understanding of they're trying to do the best for you. This is the the wider situation. You know, it's literally on a global scale. But generally speaking, I think before the the typical timeline for say a new bathroom was four to six weeks um and slightly longer for a kitchen maybe like six to twelve but now I'm hearing designers say that it's more like 12 to 16 weeks um if not more so ask the question up front you know as they clearly do which is great if people are asking what is the lead time I think be knowledgeable up front and you know sometimes you might be quoted a lead time and you think absolutely not I'm not I don't want to wait that long and go elsewhere and investigate what lead times are like um, somewhere else. Yes. And actually, this reminds me, I've spoken to a, a homeowner recently who didn't like those lead times and she did look elsewhere and she actually ended up buying an ex-display kitchen that was in stock, ready to go. It had been at a, a show and instead of it going to landfill, it ended up in her kitchen and it looks beautiful. So there are potentially things you could do. And it's the same for, you were mentioning before the the times. It also depends on the type of kitchen company you go for, I think as well. There are some kitchen companies, maybe more high street brands, well-known, famous high street brands that 
sort of create cabinetry and um, carcasses on mass. So they maybe might be in stock, who knows? But if you go for a local joiner or if you go for a bespoke kitchen, the lead times for those were always longer anyway, you know, pre-March 2020. So we need like a, a catch-all, like a, a BC or something, don't yeah. we? BC, March 2020. So, you know, yeah, bespoke and local joiners that make things from scratch and by hand until your exact requirements. You might want something fantastical and completely bespoke and totally one-off. That will always take longer than a kitchen company that specializes and it's you know part of their selling point that they have these kitchens ready to go so I guess just keep that in mind as well depending on who you go for what you go for yeah I think that's a really great point you know a bespoke service or a local joiner is going to take longer probably so again I guess if you are working with someone who is more local to you just have the conversation you could probably pop into their workshop if you really fancy it yeah sounds nice Okay, so that was question number six. So we are on the home straight. So question number seven uh, is specifically bathroom related. And we get asked this quite a lot, actually, on our various social media platforms and online in um, comments, etc. My toilet is in position A. Can it be moved to position B? Well, yes, but it will cost you money, money, money. Yes, I think that is the the answer we always say, isn't it? Like, yeah, you can move your toilet from one side of the bathroom to another or even, you know, just from one section of the wall to another, but it will cost you money. It's probably one of the most expensive things you can do in terms of when you're renovating your bathroom. Yes, because you've got to think about the pipe work, really. Toilets are usually put on exterior walls because of the waste pipes. So if you're decided you want to put that on a different wall, think of all the work and the technical aspects that have to go into making sure all the stuff that goes down the loo gets out properly. Yeah, the moving the waste is a significant plumbing task, shall we say, and has to be done by the experts, as we always say. But moving the toilet, it might seem like a simple thing, but it is quite tricky to do, quite disruptive and costly so yes in short it is possible um, but just factor in that it probably will cost you more it'll add time to your project but speak to your bathroom designer speak to your plumber and they'll be able to give you you know a more accurate indication of what it might cost and whether it is actually possible to do it in your space Okay, that one was short but sweet. Um, so moving on, the next question um, is about materials and their durability. So this designer told us that the material of certain products and their durability of them is a talking point that often comes up when they are dealing with homeowners who want to do their kitchen specifically. And I think this is a really interesting one as well because... Going back to what we were saying before, you want your kitchen to last a long time. You want it to look great for a long time. So thinking about the durability of materials and what it's going to look like even a year down the line is really important. So worktops is one of the things I think the main things that comes up when we're talking about durability and materials, because I think, you know, that's the surface and you're using it all the time. And people want to be sure that whatever surface they use is going to stand the test of time. Yes. And, you know, there's worktops out there that are practically indestructible, but they will cost you around £450 per square metre. Or there's semi 
undestructible worktops that are considerably less. There's worktops for different purposes. For example, if you want a marble worktop, a, a beautiful marble worktop, it's not great if you like to chop beetroots or lemons, you know, for your gin and tonic or for your feta salad. You know, a marble worktop's not great for that. But is it durable in the sense of it will last a lifetime? Yes, but maybe think about the placement of your marble worktop. Equally, there's worktops like stainless steel that are also indestructible, but they're hygienic and they're perfect for your preparation zone and because they're fantastic for wiping down, but they might get scratched. So you've got to think about things that what do you mind? What don't you mind? What are you going to use these surfaces for? Uh, for example, you've spoken to interior designers and kitchens de- designers before who aren't the biggest fans of hand-painted kitchen cabinets. Yeah, so cabinet, we often talk about worktops when it comes to durability, but there's lots of other parts of the kitchen that, you know, durability is a key consideration. So lots of people want that classic or modern classic, shall we call it, shaker style painted kitchen, whether that's in like a lovely pastel shade or a dark blue or a grey. But one thing I would say about hand painted cabinetry is that the paint can sort of chip and scratch if you have, you know, a, a busy family life and you know you've got, you know, kids or pets running around or you're just going to, it's going to get scuffed easier than, say, a slab door that's been uh, wrapped in a foil or a melamine, for example. So I think when you're looking at your doors for your ca- kitchen cabinetry, think about durability there as well, because if you want it to last a long time, a slab door or a handleless door with that sort of really slick look, wrapped look, that tends to be more hard wearing than painted. Um, I mean, there is an argument, of course, that if it's painted, it can be repainted, um, which you can't necessarily do with more of the slab door style. Um, But it's something to bear in mind and, you know, ask your kitchen designer about the durability of the doors. Um, Because if you, you know, if it's a busy family kitchen, then it's important to make sure it's going to withstand that wear and tear. And that's the key phrase I was just about to say, actually, wear and tear. Some people love the look of wear and tear. They want it to look lived in. They want it to look like it's been in the in the house for decades and they like that and it has history. But equally, some people hate it. So it's, again, what think? talk to your kitchen designer about the look you want to achieve. And, you know, for example, a wooden worktop, there's something beautiful about the fact that you can see scratches and marks and decades worth of history of family cooking that's something that's quite pure and quite nice about that but if it's not for you then it's not for you well it's not for me because I had a wooden worktop in my previous kitchen and it was not for me (laughs) I mean having to seal it every what six months or whatever I mean I can't say that I did that personally but it was still a faff because you had to move everything off and then seal it and then you know wait for it all to dry etc etc I mean it did look great afterwards it definitely brought it back to life but there's a maintenance element with that and I personally want my worktop to not look scratched and to not have the charm <laughs> if that's what you want to call it can I admit something to you oh go on then so you know the wooden breakfast bar that I was telling you about I was really really quite pernickety about what went on there for the first year but now I almost don't mind if something spills on there or if I put a cup down because I want that worn look are you putting like cups without coasters down yeah oh my god 
<laughs> Needs to buy you some coasters. I mean, my husband will be horrified when he hears that admittance. Be like, what do you mean? <laughs> but I kind of don't mind. So, I, were you advised to sand it down and seal it again after you know periodically by your kitchen designer? Probably. And have you done that? No. I know the answer to this already. <laughs> no. <laughs> So this is my excuse. I'm kind of saying, no, I'll, I want it to look like that, but it might just be, I can't be bothered to make it unlook like it. <laughs> and you're calling it charm and character. It's rustic. Yeah. Okay. But you're right though, because there, there is um, a growing trend for like that patinaed look, isn't it? Especially like you mentioned copper sinks earlier and copper taps. And if you have a living copper where it hasn't been treated, it will get marks over time. And you're right. Some people do love that. I think I can get on board with that. But I think as a statement feature within the kitchen, rather than having cup marks on my wooden worktop. Oh, it looks beautiful. It's going to be all the rage soon. (laughs) So I guess, you know, when we're talking about materials and durability, think about how you live and whether you want the charm and you're quite happy with, you know, having that lived in look. Or if you do want something to be pristine and super clean and look great, um, that's not to say that the charm angle doesn't look great. If that's yeah, what, what you're trying you like. to say about my rustic <laughs> breakfast bar. But if you want that slick look and you want it to look, look super clean for a long time to come, then, you know, make sure the materials that you choose are going to withstand the way that you live in your kitchen. And just a little note there, actually, is that they have, like we've just said, they've got to be fit for purpose. I've written a feature recently about eco kitchens and there's a company that specialise in creating surfaces out of things like recycled paper, recycled plastics. But if it doesn't work for you, it's much better to get something that's maybe, let's say, not eco-friendly that you're not going to replace for years to come. Because even the most eco-friendly surface or or the most sustainable surface if you don't like it replacing it is worse than getting something that's maybe not eco-friendly or not sustainable or not right just not right for you you don't want to be replacing it so I think surfaces is so important to get right first off so you're not replacing it yeah and the reason we talk about surfaces so much is because that is the part of the kitchen that's used so much another one is taps i often recommend that you spend more of your budget slightly going back to the budget question on the things that you use the most so taps if you think about how much you touch your tap on a daily basis and how much actually work the tap has to do for a relatively small part of your kitchen it has to be durable and the parts have to work the last thing you want is to spend you know a few hundred pounds or if not thousands of pounds on a tap that then breaks after a few months or you know the valve or something in it breaks because you've not invested the money um in a good quality design so yeah durability in short think about how you want to live in your kitchen what's important to you in terms of the look that you want to create and like you say sustainability is is key because by their very nature kitchens should last a long time and are sustainable because of that um, so if you buy something that then isn't very durable and you have to rip it out and replace it, then, you know, it's not very good for the planet. Exactly. Okay, we are nearing the end. And uh, now the next question is, I'm not surprised that this has come up at all because we get asked this a lot. In fact, we've talked about it in a previous Your Questions Answered episode, I think at the end of series two. And um, there's certainly... Um, It's certainly been a topic that's come up in lots of podcast episodes that I've done with my guests. And that is, 
Can I fit an island into my kitchen design? Oh, this question. I love this question. It gets asked so much, doesn't it? And it's a valid question, isn't it? Because everybody wants an island. Everyone wants an island. Everyone wants an island. Everyone wants a sort of little place where they can sit. Everyone either wants a sink or a hob. We all know how I feel about that. And um, hob, by the way, guys, don't get a sink. Don't get a sink. And, um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's... it's a luxury item and a lot of people want their kitchen to be the heart of the home and they want the island to be the heart of the kitchen. So I get it. So I guess, um, what are our top tips, Lindsay? I believe they are, there has to be enough space. Has to be enough space. Now, now it's recommended that uh, you leave enough space. So at least a meter between your island and whatever is around it, you know, the walkways, your other units on the wall, for example, don't go too big for the space and Conversely, don't go too small. You don't want a piddly little island in the middle of your kitchen just for the sake of having an island. And on the flip side, you don't want a huge island that then makes your kitchen totally impractical. Bear in mind, you know, doors opening, dishwasher doors opening. Can you still get around them when they are open? You know, think about the floor of your kitchen, which again comes back to the clearance space that you have to leave. Yes, I totally agree. Um, I think the flow is a really important point because if you've positioned a key item on your island let's say the induction hob but your fridge is over the other side you don't want to keep walking to and from to and from so if you have an island make that part of your working triangle um, which basically means that your key appliances or things that you use are all within an area that is seamless, essentially. There's nothing that's obstructing the way. So I would, if you're going to have an island and you're going to place something on it, be it a hob or a sink, make sure there's other things around and easy access so you're not, you haven't suddenly just created this massive obstacle in your kitchen that makes it totally impractical. Yeah, and also think about why you want an island. Like, Why do you want an island? Do you want it because... It seems like aspirational and it's just because what you see in lots of kitchens and lots of showrooms show kitchens with islands and admittedly magazines like ours show lots of kitchens with islands but it might be that actually a different layout works better for you and your family um, and your space and I think a lot of the time it definitely does come down to space but be really honest with yourself whether you're, you're going to actually use this island for what you envisage using it for so whether that's cooking or using it as a serving space or using it as a breakfast bar or having your dining table integrated into it, for example. Uh, Don't just have an island because everyone's seemingly having an island. You know, be be really clear of why you want an island. Do you know what I've seen a lot actually recently is islands that are either on wheels, so you can clear it away for a good dance floor, or islands that are more like tables so they look freestanding so if your space maybe is limited by just having legs and you know space underneath it can sometimes make your kitchen design look a much more spacious and freer and airy so you have got an island but actually it looks more furniture like and and it works more in your space yeah so going back to the question can I fit an island into my design I think the dimensions of it are the key thing and actually assessing your space and if you are just playing around with design ideas in your space then why not get the masking tape out and you know map out 
what you think you can fit in into and bearing in mind the sort of the clearance um distances that we talked about just now um and just see what sort of size island you could realistically have in the kitchen before you maybe seek the advice of a designer and also bear in mind that having an island will add probably significant cost to your overall kitchen Okay, last but absolutely not least is question number 10 of the most asked questions um, that retailers get asked from you, the homeowners. What brands do you sell? So for those who maybe don't know who are thinking about buying a kitchen, I think this question, what this means is what brands do you sell? For example, lots of kitchen showrooms and companies sell brands of ovens or dishwashers or just all of your appliances that you can't get on the high street so when they're asking what brands do you sell that's actually quite a especially if you're into your brands for example sub-zero and wolf mila um gaganau, gaganau that we hear often requested specifically they are brands that you can't buy on the high street that you would have to go to a kitchen retailer and get as part of your design so I think that um, I compared it didn't I when we were chatting before to wedding dresses so if you see a wedding dress in a magazine that you love there's only certain wedding shops wedding dress shops that will sell that brand of wedding dress and it's the exact same for appliances there are certain kitchen retailers who only sell certain types of appliances so um, that's what that question means and I think it's important because so many different appliances do different things have different looks so yeah it's the same for bathrooms as well you know lots of there are lots and lots and lots of different manufacturers that only sell through a retail network across the country and they will have showrooms up and down the country that provide that product but say if you have spotted a beautiful bath or beautiful bathroom suite um in a magazine or a beautiful style of kitchen cabinetry, for example, and you, you know, that you go on the website for, for that brand that's listed, um, it might not look like you can buy direct from that. So don't worry about that. That's, you know, that's quite common within the kitchen and bathroom market. Um, but what you'll often find is the website will have a find your nearest retailer sort of search function online. Or if you give them a call, they'll be able to help you out as well. And basically you just put your postcode in in that case. And usually what happens is you'll be given a list of retailers within your area that supply that product so if you have got something in mind and you really really want that for your kitchen and bathroom then you know you've got to sort of go the other way rather than going direct to a showroom as we talked about before you go sort of manufacturer first and find a showroom that does supply that product and quite often there are certain showrooms that are sort of special partners with manufacturers and they will have you know their full range or their their premium selection of those products um so yeah it's it's more of a manufacturer first approach um when you're doing your research but on the flip side as well there are appliances that you can buy independently from your kitchen cabinetry so let's say you've got your heart set on an Arga, for example, you tell your kitchen cabinetry, this is the appliance that you want, and then they will work with you to get that Arga in your design. Yeah. And it goes to the bigger items as well, kitchen furniture, you know, that your actual cabinetry, um, 
retailers will supply certain types of cabinetry. Some showrooms might only supply one type of cabinetry. They might just work with one manufacturer, whereas others might work with multiple. Mostly, they're listed on their websites. So again, do a bit of research before you go. Or, as you know, these retailers who have helped us out with these questions... Ask your retailer. Clearly, people are going into showrooms and asking what brands do you sell. Um, so if, you know, you have got your heart set on a specific look or a brand or you just love a brand and their style, then um, do a bit of research and find out where you can actually get that in your local area. So hopefully that helps. There were the top 10 questions that retailers get asked. Can I ask you a question, Lindsay? What question are you asked the most? Okay. Thank you for putting me on the spot, Georgina. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, I would say probably the question that I get asked the most is around, oh, what's your kitchen like? Or what sort of kitchen do you like? Or, oh, you must see so many lovely kitchens around that similar vein. And it's really hard, actually. And usually my answer is, my preferences for kitchens change so frequently and the kitchen that I might like this week is something that I probably don't like two weeks in in two weeks time because as you know we get sent so many beautiful kitchens to look at all the time same for bathrooms and we see we are lucky enough to see the latest launches coming up and you know get to go to beautiful homes and see what other people have done and so I think that it's almost like overwhelm of inspiration so basically you don't answer their question (laughs) yeah very political type of answer that isn't it (laughs) just avoid the question but uh, I think it's really you know it is the hazard of the job Mm. I think we are so lucky to be able to see so much beautiful interior design kitchen and bathroom design all of the time that there are so many ideas I mean I I have a whole folder on my desktop and your collections on Instagram and Pinterest boards and everything of loads of different styles of kitchen and bathroom and I think you know obviously there are probably themes in there but it's 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 inspiration overload I would say thank you for putting me on the spot you're welcome Okay, I think we'll leave it there, shall we? So I want to say thank you to all of the retailers who helped us out and shared the questions they most get asked. Those were the top 10, so hopefully we have solved some of your quandaries and helped you out there. That is a wrap on Series 3. Thank you for joining me and my guests throughout the series, and I hope you've enjoyed it and picked up lots of tips to take into your own kitchen or bathroom renovation. We will be back with even more soon. But in the meantime, if you do have any questions, drop the team and I a line on hello at these3rooms.com. Catch us on social media at KBB Magazine. And of course, don't forget to rate and review the podcast to help others find it too. And subscribe so you're notified when we are back for Series 4. For now, thank you for listening and stay tuned for even more of How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom, the podcast coming to you soon.